Welcome to Narrative Responsibility, a podcast about examining the meta story of your life, how well it is serving you, and how to change it for the better. I'm Elena Wolf, relationship coach and life alignment mentor, and this is this week's new perspective. Hi there. I'm so glad you're here today. This is episode 16, Attachment Styles as RPG Character Classes. So, (laughs) as it should be, no surprise, now that I've introduced this new concept of attachment styles, I am going to apply it to our ongoing metaphor of building an RPG character and figuring out how to leverage that for gameplay with life as this ongoing RPG game. So, um, (laughs) uh, let me establish a couple things for those of you who might not be particularly into tabletop gaming. The first is the concept of character race is like in games typically going to be things like, are you human? Are you an ogre? Are you an elf? That sort of thing. And they come with different physical characteristics and capabilities. And the character class is going to be a little bit more like your profession or your, I guess, personality in the sense of things like, are you funny? Are you charming? Are you really sneaky? That sort of thing. And there are also in some games the option to include what is your role in the party. So that could be like, are you a leader? Are you the follower? Are you the party's sort of charmer and fast talker? Are you the diplomat? That sort of thing. And I actually have, (laughs) I, I have a plan for how to talk about all of these different aspects with different sort of systems of understanding the personality or the psyche. And So I felt like the one that adhered closest to attachment style was the character class. And this is because our attachment style very much affects how we show up with the interpersonal relational qualities that most of us think of as our personality type. My actual primary personality type system, the MBTI or Jungian personality types, I think is much more akin to character race in that it describes a way of being in the world and energy capacities and kind of innate preferences for understanding. And sometimes there are correlations to what we think of as personality. And sometimes there's really not because people who have the same, quote, MBTI type, that same personality type, can have very different social presentations. So that'll be a future episode or really several because that's a whole system. We're not getting into it today. But just to reassure you up front, I actually have thought quite a bit about how to correlate different personality systems to different aspects of this RPG metaphor, analogy, uh, whatever we're doing with it. So... Um, yeah, so today let's talk about your character class as defined by your attachment style. I want to be clear that while in real life, there are absolutely real benefits to having a secure attachment style, 
And if you do not currently have a secure attachment style, you probably want to be doing the work to build toward that. Your life is better in all ways when you have one. Earned secure is definitely a thing. But when you have an insecure attachment style that typically comes from having been put in really challenging situations in the past, whether that's with your family or certain relationships that you had at a different point in your either development or even adult years, and those experiences leave a mark on us. Sometimes we are asked to grow capacities early, like earlier than maybe we would have. Sometimes we are forced to grow capacities we might not otherwise have grown in ourselves. But once we have stretched to meet that challenge and grown that capacity, we can't ungrow it. So as an example, if you kind of learn to be like the funny guy or the funny girl because you're carrying a lot of internal insecurity and that's a way that you can earn acceptance with your peer group and feel like people like you and get a lot of validation, okay, maybe you were sort of pushed to grow that sense of showmanship or wit or cleverness or whatever. But once you've grown it, you have it. That is, you know, an expressible personality trait. Hey, I'm funny. I'm witty. I'm quick with a comeback. You have trained up that skill. You have grown that capacity in yourself. And so that becomes part of you. And so some of the aspects of our attachment style can be positive. Like there are real gifts that each one comes with. So if you have had to grow into parts of yourself a little bit prematurely, or that maybe you wouldn't otherwise have chosen to grow, then that is something that you can embrace and you can look at the benefits that come with that from having, I hope there's a siren going on on the street. I don't know if y'all can hear this or not. It's distracting me. I'm really sorry. (laughs) Okay. I think it's past now. Um, If you were forced to develop some of these capacities or grow them before you might otherwise have, there's a leverage that you can get from them. And often the capacities that you grew out of order or by overemphasizing one part of yourself come with a cost and there's something that you didn't develop or that you neglected in order to be overcompensating in this other area. So For all of these kind of character classes, you know, attachment style profiles, I'm going to offer the the benefits that you get, but also the drawbacks. And so um, in, in terms of building up your RPG character, you know, you'll start with your your race. And this is a little bit out of order because obviously we haven't talked about MBTI yet. So sorry, we don't have your your kind of baseline stats, but this is. It's an ongoing process. <laughs> we'll get there eventually. <laughs> Maximum chaos. Um, so you, you kind of start with your basic statistics that come from the type of character that you are. And then you are allowed to select your character class. And that will sometimes come with, okay, you get to add points for this quality or that quality, but you have to take away points for these qualities. So that's kind of how we are rolling with this. So I will start with the anxious preoccupied, then do the dismissive avoidant, the fearful avoidant, and finally the secure. 
I tried to pick nine positive, like you you get nine beneficial qualities and then nine uh, things that you have to kind of take away points from for each of them. I will confess, I could not find nine negatives about being securely attached. So <laughs> I tried so hard and I just, I gave up at like five. Um, so here we go. For the anxious preoccupied, the benefits where you get to add, let, let's be generous and say you get to add like plus 10 or something uh, for all of these qualities, charm, beauty, warmth, camaraderie, collaboration and cooperation, generosity, empathy, adaptability, or the ability to be accommodating, and strong communication. And, you know, if you think about the anxious preoccupied as being someone who is not quite sure of their worth and is really intent upon being pleasing to the other person, they want to make other people happy, they're focused on other people's needs and, you know, feeling like if I give to you, then you'll give to me. And that's, you know, we both get our needs met that way. That's kind of the the underlying energy of the AP. And so, you know, they're going to be people who probably are very charming and warm socially. They're they're very generous and giving of their time and their compassion and their attention to you. And they're very good at working together, being, you know, team players, being collaborative and, you know, accommodating and often will have a lot of attention to um, to appearances. Uh, not not in a negative way, but just they they want to put their their best foot forward, and so they take the time to do that. And those can all be really powerful, alluring qualities for someone on a social level. But here are the places that you have to take points away: independence, confidence or self esteem, certainty, boundaries or assertiveness, initiative endurance, distress tolerance, leadership, and fear management. So these are all places where having a less secure sense of your own worth and your own, I guess, right to take up space and to be welcome and to know that your ideas are good and that people ought to listen to you, that you don't have to people please in order to to have something to say, all of that, that's, those are kind of the drawbacks of having an AP style. And so, you know, those are the places that you have to lose some points from what you might otherwise have. All right. So on to the dismissive avoidant, which is the type most opposite of the anxious preoccupied. So what you gain, if you have a dismissive avoidance style, this is where you get to add 10 points. Independence, mysteriousness, your poker face or your ability to keep secrets, your ability to be stoic, non-emotional, logical, rational, even in uh, situations of heightened emotion, intellectuality, initiative, capacity to just get stuff done, being a do-it-yourselfer, endurance, and being even keeled. That means you don't have a lot of emotional or energetic highs and lows. You tend to to stay pretty much in the same zone. So, you know, these are pretty 
common with the ethos of the dismissive avoidant being I have to do it myself. No one's coming to help me. I don't have the resource of other people. Other people don't necessarily care about my problems, so I need to solve them myself. Dismissive avoidance are, you know, they're the people that want to pull away uh, rather than move toward other people when they're in distress because they self-soothe and they want to take care of themselves. They don't want to burden someone else. And they were made to feel for a long time that approaching someone else with their needs would be burdening someone. And, you know, they were are often implicitly taught that there's just no real help to be had. And that forces them to develop this really independent spirit. And that has a lot of strengths and a lot of benefits. But it comes with some costs, right? So what do you lose? Where do you have to take points away from your character profile if you have a dismissive avoidant character class attachment style? Well, connectedness, (laughs) uh, emotional awareness, emotional processing, the ability to communicate clearly, the ability to receive from others. You are often less adaptable You are less interested or good at or capable of teamwork, collaboration, cooperation. You are often aloof or possibly even careless with others' emotions, not intentionally, but it's just sort of the side effect of devaluing emotions and emotional connection in a general sort of way. And finally, you tend to have walls rather than boundaries. So... You know, whereas an anxious preoccupied has poor boundaries, they're not good at saying no, um, a dismissive avoidant tends to simply have high walls that kind of repel anybody from asking them for anything to begin with, or sometimes even repel people from approaching them to begin with. Okay, so that's the dismissive avoidant. And the fearful avoidant, which is sometimes, uh, or in, in certain conceptions of attachment style called the disorganized style, But I think fearful avoidant actually speaks a little bit more accurately to what it is. They're they're really not a combination of anxious and dismissive avoidant, even though like in a way you could say, oh, they're a combination because they swing back and forth between, you know, the anxious behaviors and the avoidant behaviors. But it really is its own profile that kind of comes from a different place. With fearful avoidance, there's often a lot of inconsistency in how they were related to. And so they might have experiences of emotional connection that are really positive. And so they have this draw toward others and toward intimacy. But then they also have experiences where emotional connection went very badly for them. There was betrayal or there was abuse or there was, you know, a a swing back and forth between caretakers being very attuned and then dismissing and neglectful. So they never got to settle into one side. Whereas the anxious preoccupied, you know, could really settle into, I go to other people in order to be soothed and get my needs met, you know, and maybe they go to other people too much. But that was, that was what they did. They went to other people and the dismissive avoidant was able to just pull into themselves while other people are never available. So I'll just do it myself. The, the fearful avoidant kind of has both experiences where sometimes if they go to someone, they get a really good reaction and it's great. And then other times there's no one and nothing available or going to someone was worse than trying to handle it themselves. And so they don't necessarily have a clear path. So 
what benefits come from having this sort of disorganized or confused orientation to other people and to intimacy? Well, they tend to have very high charisma and, you know, to be really engaging and exciting because they are seeking to attract and to add value to the conversation or to the situation. So that's one thing. You get you know, plus 10 charisma. They're very perceptive. They have high pattern recognition and sometimes high intuition. They are very adventurous, uh, novelty-seeking. They're very curious. They value intimacy and depth of connection uh, they are very transparent. That is what they look for in their communication. There is an intensity and a passion that they often display, a tremendous amount of presence and focus, and also usually heightened empathy. And all of these kind of make sense if you think about them as kind of being placed in the position, even from small children, where they had to watch the behaviors of the people around them and tune into the emotional tone of the people around them in order to keep themselves safe, in order to know, is this a good time to approach and get my needs met? Or is this a time when I need to avoid? And so, you know, they have a lot of experience being in, say, a heightened state of nervous system arousal, but that also can come with heightened perceptions. They have a heightened amount of pattern recognition that kind of can feel like intuition because they've spent a lot of time honing that skill and paying attention to those things. So you, you lose points around consistency and predictability. You can be very volatile or reactive. You can be untrusting or suspicious of others, like you're always just sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop or expecting betrayal. You have issues with boundaries. Uh, this is similar, more similar to the anxious preoccupied in that it's very difficult for you to say no, you're trying to people please, you're trying to, to give other people what you want. Sometimes this even leads to having a high tolerance for abuse or exploitation. There is often kind of a hot, cold, all or nothing uh, moving in extremes that happens. And you're not particularly good with your emotional management. Sometimes you are actually not as good at the transparency and intimacy as you like to think, because what you're actually doing is faking sharing and vulnerability in order to get people to trust you, but you're not really trusting them. So it becomes very one-sided uh, where they have now shared with you and you feel secure that, okay, I have their full picture, but you're still withholding yourself. And if I didn't say it already, there can be a, a restlessness where they struggle to settle in to any one place or job or hobby or situation or relationship for very long that something about the being settled feels unsafe or unnerving because it's because it's so different from what they experienced with the back and forth in their childhood between safety and attunement and unsafety or neglect. Or, you know, maybe I should just say it more as like availability, unavailability. It's not always, you know, situations of, of, of safety or unsafety, but just, you know, availability from others, unavailability from others. So... When you have somebody that never gets all of one or all of the other, then when you're in a situation that's like, okay, well, now I'm in this and it's going to be the same from here on, that actually in and of itself is is unsettling. So that's the fearful avoidant. And 
Finally, we come to the secure attachment style. What are the benefits of being secure? This is where you get your plus tens. You are stable and dependable, or to kind of put that into one word, you're trustworthy. You're calm and steady and even-tempered. There's a lot of caring and compassionateness here. There's a good capacity for cooperation and teamwork and just general sort of flexibility with different situations. You tend to have confidence in yourself. You tend to be trusting of other people, but this is a trustingness that comes not from like naivete or a need to be around other people, but rather it's a, you know, that would be more like the the AP or the FA trusting the wrong people, but this is more um, a trust that comes from discernment. There is often warmth and, you know, interpersonal availability or openness. There's good communication, uh, tends to be more direct and open communication. And there is a sense of, of good boundaries and balance between the various parts of life and the various parts of yourself and the various needs between, say, you and a partner in a relationship, you and the other person in a relationship. It could also be like a friendship or a work relationship. You know, it's it's just that capacity to balance multiple things well. So what are some of the things that you lose <laughs> to, to be a secure attachment? I did my best. Um, let's see. Let me count here. Oh, I managed to find seven. Okay. Uh, so you do take a hit on charisma. You're a little bit less charismatic. You're a little bit less exciting. You're a little bit less intense. You're less extreme. You tend to be warm rather than hot. You're, you know, often less adventurous or less risk-taking. And you won't overcommit yourself. You know, some of these are not necessarily even like to your detriment, but it's simply, you know, there might be times when someone who, for example, has a fearful avoidance style might show up like, again, high charisma, high energy, you know, very intense and exciting and willing to take risks. And that can be really alluring. Maybe you're in a job where, in fact, that's a benefit. Like if you're an entrepreneur, you know, having the capacity to dazzle other people and the willingness to kind of jump in and and take a big risk might benefit you in the long run. Uh, So maybe somebody who's a little more secure might not shine quite the same way. Doesn't mean there's not still a path to, you know, being a successful entrepreneur if, if you're a secure attachment. I'm not trying to say that. It's just these are these are some of the places that maybe, you know, you lose an edge that another type might have. Or the, the not overcommitting or like overaccommodating, you know, maybe somebody who has a more anxious leaning style uh, could really win people over and be really effusive with their warmth and draw people in and kind of get them into this teamwork collaboration where maybe somebody who's who's more secure might not try quite so hard. And depending on who you're dealing with, you know, maybe that other person needed to be wooed in that kind of way. And so not kind of pursuing them with that effusiveness, they might not respond. Okay, well, you know, you can always say that just that wasn't the right opportunity, because it wasn't aligned for how I naturally am. So it's, you know, again, this is, I was trying so hard (laughs) to find things that are drawbacks, but contextually, arguably, they're not really even drawbacks. Um, But just in fairness, for this game that we're playing, and trying to, to just to get you thinking about things in a different way, how any quality 
positive or negative, has a context to it, right? And the context is maybe more important to whether it's a positive or negative um, that you experience in having that quality than the quality itself. But the point of having the things that you lose is also to, to highlight that often gifts come with costs. And developing one part of ourself, especially if it's kind of out of order or not something we otherwise would have, can come at the price of neglecting something else that really we should have developed too. I hope that as you think about your RPG character, this self um, that you're kind of, I don't want to say constructing, but like this this self-evaluation that you are conducting, kind of using this framework and these tools, that you can see how you're able to use what you have for benefits, but then also recognize maybe what it costs you to develop those qualities and think about what you might want to start developing to kind of make up for it. So I hope that all made sense. I am definitely thinking about how to create some worksheets for for this RPG to kind of make it easier, because obviously this was a lot. I just went over it all verbally, and maybe you were able to recognize yourself in one of the profiles, you know, or another, but that's not the same as being able to sort of see it written out or to have a handout versus something that you have to write by hand, like we're, you know, back in high school or college, taking notes from the professor. Oh, my God. And I just realized, like, what a... what a. <laughs> What an old I sound like. Uh, you can just run it through like Otter AI or whatever. <laughs> Vocal transcriber and do it for you. But fair warning, they never get my accent right. So good luck with that. So that's the sort of thing that I'm thinking would probably go really well on, for example, a Patreon page as an extra. I am definitely going to get something set up with that by the end of the month. And I'll have full details once it's kind of set up and decided. I'm I'm still looking into the different services and trying to figure out exactly how I want to handle it. But, you know, this sort of character sheet, uh, character development sheet or self-assessment sheet, I think would be really fun to to have as an extra and as just a little thank you for, for joining my community. So, yeah, keep an ear out for that. And otherwise, that's all for this week. Thank you so much for listening and spending this time with me. If you want to know more about my work, you can check out thepatternbreaker.com or follow me on Instagram at thepatternbreaker. And until next time, what part of your story are you going to take responsibility for this week? 